James Yankee was a parishioner of mine at Antioch United Methodist Church. My wife and I pastored two small Methodist churches while I was in seminary at Asbury. Preached at one at 10 o'clock and other service started about 11.15. And James was a member at the Antioch United Methodist Church and he died about three months after I arrived there. And not knowing much about James to be able to share at his funeral, I called the previous pastor. I said, can you talk to me about James and can you tell me a story about him? Can you give me some help on what to be able to share at the funeral? And he said, here's my best story about James. James had a drinking problem. And in my seven years of pastoring that church, James would come to the altar uh, quite often and uh, ask God to be able to help him with that. And James would recount this story to the pastor and said, but then one time I came and God took it away just like that. And, and the pastor asked him, what was the difference the time that you came there that God just took it away from you? And he says, well, that time I was serious with God. Um, he said, that time I was serious with God. And at that funeral, I said, there's a lot of things that we can learn from James's life, but we can learn the importance of getting serious with God. He, when he chose to be real with God, God met him at his point of need. When he chose to come clean and drop the pretenses and dropped saying or doing what a good person is supposed to say or do and just became real, God met him at his point of need. We're in a series of messages on choices, and this morning we're talking about an important choice, the choice to be real, the choice to be real. Jesus is serious about this real stuff in our life. If you have your Bible, would you open it to Luke chapter 19, and Jesus recounts a parable. A parable is a made-up story that Jesus made up to be able to tell a point. Jesus was the master story table, storyteller. Luke 18, I'm sorry, Luke 18. In Luke 18, Jesus says this. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like all the other men, robbers and evildoers and adulterers and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 14, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he who is uh, serious enough with God, he who is real enough with God to humble himself will be exalted. The man that went home justified before a holy God was the man who came clean was the man who dropped his pretenses, that man who came clean before God. Jesus says, went home justified before a holy God that day. Uh, friends, Jesus is serious about this realness in our spirit. He, he says to Pharisees, he says, he says, you clean the outside, 
of the cup, but you leave the inside all dirty. And he goes on and on with some ill he had toward the Pharisees because they were one person to, to on the outside, but they were another person on the inside. With all of my being, with all of my being, I want to be an inside-out Christian. With all of my being. I want there to be no pretense. I want there to be, be nothing fake. I can remember when I was pastoring in Georgia and we had a, what we called in, in Georgia, a come to Jesus meeting. Or we just kind of had a, kind of had a church meeting and, and we shared some things and some difficulties that we were going through in the church and, and shared my honest feelings and and after it was over, someone came up to me and she said, Mark, I just appreciate you because you're honest. And, of course, that was a nice thing to say to me, but it also bothered me that she said that to me or she, for some reason, felt the need to say that to me. Why would she need to feel the need to be able to come up to a pastor and say, I appreciate your honesty if all pastors have not been honest to her in her life? Because she has not experienced honesty and genuineness and realness and transparency from people who call themselves clergy. She thought it was odd or worthy of walking to the front and shaking my hand and thanking me for my transparency and my honesty. That hurts me, friends. That hurts me, friends. What is it about us in the church, not only us who are clergy, but us in the church that there's sometimes a pull, there's sometimes a temptation for this plastic people business that Casting Crowns sang about? What is it, this need to sometimes be someone other than we really are? Preachers have put on their special type of voice when they come to the pulpit. Act a, a certain way that they know them or they don't act. I can talk to you about pastor in this district the other day. He, he loves cars. He just is, it's, his, it's his thing. He, you know, he loves cars like I like something else. He just likes cars and he told me about this BMW, this used BMW that he sees at this parking lot for $25,000. He says, you know, uh, you know, I can go buy a Buick for $25,000. Nobody will say anything, but if I go buy that used BMW and drive it for $25,000, I can't do that. Well, is there something about us that this need to please other people, this, this need to somehow perform to other people's expectations. Pretending is, is, is something we've done since we were very young. Uh, you don't know how many NCAA championships I run in my driveway at 705 Pasadena Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. I won a lot of them. <laughs> I won a few Super Bowls in my backyard, too, and I, I, hit, I hit several home runs with two outs in the bottom of the ninth, too. Little Levi came up to me the other day and says, Dad, I'm the criminal mastermind. <laughs> I said, great, son, that's what I'm raising you to be. <laughs> Pretending is, is, is kind of cool when we're little, and, 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 and psychologists will tell us it's even healthy to be able to do that when we're little, but when, when we get older, it's no longer just pretending. It's, it's a cover-up to who we really are. It's a cover-up to who we really are. And I said it earlier, and I say it again. Jesus came for who you really are. With all your warts, with all your wrinkles, with all your fears, 
with the things you will not even share to your spouse. That's who Jesus died for, and that's who he wants to get at. And until he gets to that place, he'll never have all of us. He'll have the fake me, and the fake me is really serious with God because in Scripture, in the Galatians, it says God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. Why is it that we have this need to pretend or cover up or, 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 or wear a mask or, or whatever it, it, it may be? I, I think some of it goes to what Jesus said to Pharisees in, in, in John chapter 12. He, he said to Pharisees, he said, they care more about the praise of men than they do about the praise of God. I think there's the root of it, or maybe one of the roots of it. Caring more about the praise of men than the praise of God. Why is it that I tell any kind of a lie, whether it be a, a wearing a mask or covering up, why is it anyone tells any kind of a lie? It's because they care more about what that person thinks of them. than they do what the Father thinks of them. John 12, 43 is a fascinating look into human nature of us human beings that can care more for the praise of men than for the praise of God. And because of that, sometimes we choose not to be real, choose not to come clean. I think sometimes also it, it's... it's our identity is in what other people think of us, and that's kind of another way to state what I just said, but our identity is in what other people think of us instead of what God thinks of us. Somewhere this weekend, a 13, 14, 15-year-old little girl climbed into bed with an older guy because her identity was in what that guy thought of her. Because her identity is in what that guy thought of her instead of her identity being where it should be. God tells me who I am, or he should, and I need to listen to that. And though all the world may say something different, God tells me who I am. And if my identity is in him, I think, think it can take care of a lot of these cover-up and masking issues in our lives. God hates the cover-up. God hates the mask so much that literally he says in Scripture it makes him sick. I'm not making that up. It literally makes him vomit. Revelation chapter 3. I think we have it on the screen. Jesus writing about a church in Laodicea. And he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Literally, it's vomit in the original language. But we, we human beings, we cover that up a little bit. We don't think God would want to be that crude, so we make it something else. And I've always wondered what that verse meant because it seems like to me like like you got a hot person here that's on fire for God and you got a cold person here that's, that, that, that is just has, has no inkling toward God and feel, has no feelings toward God, then you have a lukewarm. It seems like to me lukewarm is better than cold. It is in the shower. <laughs> why, why, does God, why does God want me to, to, to either be hot or to be cold? 
And once this middle stuff, this lukewarm stuff, he said, I'll reject you. I'll spit you out of my mouth. I'm about to vomit you because you're in this, this mamby-pamby middle ground. I'd rather you be out here and be real. If you're cold toward me, I, I can deal with that, God says. Just come clean. I, I, can, I can deal. The Psalms are full of David being so honest with God, it's, it's almost embarrassing. And God says, I, I just want you to be real. I want, I want you to express your real feelings and, and none of this middle ground. I heard a guy preach a message on this one time, and he brought a nurse up in his congregation, and, and she came up to the front and gave him a flu shot right in front of everybody. And when you get a flu shot, what you get is you get a little bit of the flu because a little bit of the flu inoculates you against the real thing. Now, do I have to apply that? A little bit of Jesus, a little bit, can inoculate us against the real thing. And we can be that middle ground instead of being where God wants us to be. God says, just be real. Just be honest. Just be open, hot, cold. Just, just come clean. I've had people sit in my office before and said, Mark, I... I just don't believe what you're preaching. I just don't believe it. I, I can deal with that. At least I know what the starting point is. That doesn't shock me. Doesn't great. Let's 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 just let's just be honest right here from the start. And, and so we have a place that we can be able to start. But evidently, there's something about us, and it's not only the church people. It's just people in general. There's something about us that the plastic people and the smiling faces and, 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 and I'm performing for someone else. And if I, if I really said that, what would they think of me and so forth and, and, and so on. I ask that you uh, really think about being real about your spiritual maturity this morning. I think we've got a scripture from Hebrews chapter 5. It talks a little bit about spiritual maturity in our lives. Hebrews chapter 5, the Bible says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach to you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. He, he's saying, he's saying that 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 you're slow to learn, and because you're slow to learn, you're, you, 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 you're still an infant, and you ought to be teachers by now. You've never really grown up in the Lord. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Friends, I just, um, I just like us to choose to be real about our spiritual maturity. And I will never, ever take steps toward spiritual maturity until I admit where I really am. And that, that it's, it's okay, you know, it's okay to be an infant. 
It's, 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 it's not, in the scriptures, it's not okay to be an infant if, you, if you've been on the road a long time. But if, even if you've been on the road a long time, you're still an infant. You're not ever going to get out of infancy until you admit that and come clean with that and stop making everybody else feel like you're something that you're not. Just come clean. He already knows it anyway. He already knows it anyway. And we're just trying to play a game in front of other people. If I can admit my infancy, I can take steps towards spiritual maturity. I had a 50-year-old man come up to me in our church in Georgia one time, and it wasn't even prompted out of a message like this. He just said, Mark, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a spiritual baby. It's okay. I didn't say, I'm so disgusted with you. <laughs> he admitted where he was and when you admit where you are, you're ready to be able to take steps to be at a place that you're not presently at. I must, I must at an AA meeting step up and say, hi, my name is Mark Atherton. Maybe I'm an alcoholic. My wife says I'm an alcoholic. My family says I'm an alcoholic. They won't. You haven't taken that first step yet until you can say, hi, my name is Mark Atherton. And I'm an alcoholic. Until you get real, until you come clean and drop the facade. I don't know where you are spiritually. If, 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 you're, if you're more toward the side of infancy than you are toward the side of spiritual maturity, if, if your thinking is not a, a godly worldview, if it's more of a secular worldview, it's okay, let's just admit it. And let's start taking steps to be able to deal with it instead of being able to cover that up. And, and, and if you are one that by the grace of God have taken steps toward maturity and God has helped you, admit your maturity and step up and be teachers and step up and be leaders. We need people in all churches, godly, thinking people to step up, mature Christians to step up and be leaders. We don't need leaders in the church just because they're leaders in the world. We don't need leaders in the church but just because they own a business. We don't need leaders in the church just because they've been in the church a long time. We need leaders in the church who are mature, who think like Jesus, who, who, who by the grace of God and, and, and through, through the taking of, of solid food have, 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 have taken out that ungodly thinking and put in godly thinking. Those are the people we need making decisions. For every single church, the face of this earth, by the grace of God, he's, he's, he's helping you become mature. Step up to the plate and, and to, no, to no exalting of your own, just be able to say, by the grace of God, I think he's given me some gifts to be able to lead. It's godly. It's godly. Be honest. Be real. Come clean. About your spiritual, everybody knows it anyway. They do. They know it anyway. They know it anyway. Be real about your relationships with people. You know, sometimes I think people think Christians, we Christians, we just ought to, we just all get along with everybody. <laughs> can, I, can I say something to you? 
respect everybody in my church. <laughs> Sorry. I've tried to be friendly to them. I've tried to minister to them. But some I didn't even want to be, be my friends. You know what I mean? The difference between being friends and being friendly. Oh, Mark, you, you need to get sanctified. No. I'm just admitting the truth of Romans 12, 18. We have that there, Romans 12, 18. It's one of the most practical verses in all of Scripture. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible. I, I love God when he says that. If it is possible. It may not be possible. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. The Scripture doesn't say, Mark, live at peace with all men. Amazingly practical God here. Who knows that relationships are difficult and knows that personalities are different. And he doesn't say live at peace with all sin. He says, Mark, now, if it's possible. And Mark, as much as it depends upon you, why? Because of what I said last week, you have no control over anyone else in the faith of this earth. No control. I have control over me. As much as it depends upon me, live at peace with all men. But I don't know, but I have some people in my life that won't let me live at peace with them. If it is possible, as much as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. Let's just be real that some people we can get along with and some people we just have to agree to disagree some people, it's just hard to be able to get along with. And I'm probably one of the people that other people say I'm hard to get along with. They can't get along with me. Personalities, they clash. And it's not right. It's not wrong. It's not Christian. It's not pagan. It's just stuff. It's just relationships. And it's, and it's just real. We're to be friendly toward everyone. I have to love you even if I don't like you. <laughs> but I, I, I can come clean with my emotions and not get all bent out of shape and somehow put on some fake and some mask and just try to say, as the pastor, I just have to be friends with everybody. You know what's so hard for me in the ministry is, you know, I'm a timid person. I know you don't believe me because I get up front and speak. It has nothing to do with it. I'd rather speak in front of 100,000 people than, than go to have a hospital visit for one. So much easier for me to do this. I'm timid. I come about it naturally. My dad was timid. My mom is timid. It's in our DNA. I come into a room and I'm looking for the first wall that needs to be held up. It's just, it's just who I am. I'm not a glad hander. I'm not a pat on the back type of guy. And, it, and it's hard for me many times in the ministry because many times that's kind of expected of you at the ministry and that wears me down because because when you have to be someone you're not, it's tiring. It wears you out. It drains energy from you. And I've just gotten to place at 52 years of age that this is who I am. That doesn't mean that God's not going to still try to rub off the rough edges of my life. Yes, he is. But I, I, I'm this way, and she's that way, and he's that way, and we're just all going to have to learn to get along and 
and, and just be who we are and become, become comfortable in our own skin and not try to always be in someone else's skin or try to be like this preacher or that preacher or this person or that person. This is who I am. But relationships are hard. Relationships are hard. Choose to be real in your relationships. And, and, and when you admit that there's conflict, admit that you're difficulty, that's the first step of trying to solve that. But if you never admit that conflict, if you never admit that difficulty, you're all, it's always going to be there. And you'll go run and talk to other people about it, but you won't go to the person that you need to talk to about. Because that's too real. You know, last couple of weeks, I've talked about some real things. You know, two weeks ago, I talked about cleavage. Right? If you were here. Talked about cleavage. That's real. It's a problem we have. Last week, my wife came up here and talked about the bedroom. Some people don't like that. But where else should they learn about some of that stuff than in the church of Jesus Christ? I, I, I want to be a real preacher who talks about real life things, not some pie in the sky type of stuff. This is where we live, right where you punch in at 7 o'clock in the morning. How does Christianity affect you right then? Not some put your suit on and look nice and go to church type of Christianity. No, right there when you get your, where the rubber meets the road, when you get your fingernails dirty in life, that's the Christianity that needs to be taught and needs to be preached. It's real life stuff. And people I've said, we had one one church I pastored, they had a plaster the pastor day where they took little post-it notes and plastered me with little compliments on what they liked about me, okay? And I would just, after the service, I had these little post-it notes all over the place. And several of those talked about real. And some, some, person, some person that said, I appreciate your realness even when it makes me uncomfortable. See, People like me because I was real, but some people dislike me because I'm real. Because if you're real, you get right, you get right down in people's grill where they live and talk about real life stuff. Not some way stuff way up here. You bring the cookies off the high shelf and talk right here. Can I, can I ask you to be real about your emotions? Have you heard the saying that, I've seen a bumper sticker, Christians are too blessed to be stressed. Maybe I'm just not mature enough, Christian. Can we be real about our emotions? As Christians, um, we get mad, we get glad, we get sad. For all kinds of reasons, because we live in this old world, and all kinds of happenings can can happen to us that make us mad and make us glad and make us sad. Now we have to express that anger in a proper, godly way, but just come clean with our emotions, and not be able to tell Christian Christian lies all the time. So, did you have a good week? I had a great week. 
great. After all, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I don't want you to think I'm not a very good Christian. I'm on top of the world. I have victory over everything. Do you realize, as I've read the autobiographies of some great Christians, do, I real, do you realize this depression thing has been with us for a long time? Charles Spurgeon, you may or may not know that, he's a prince of preachers. He talked about the darkness of his own soul. Some of that's spiritual warfare. Some of that's of the enemy trying to discourage leaders of churches. Listen to the apostle. The apostle, the apostle says that things were so difficult in the book of Galatians, and I'm quoting, that he even despaired of life. Apostle Paul. He even despaired of life. This, this up and down and over and under and motions just come and go and, and we, can be, we can be sick in the head just like me, my gallbladder can be sick. But why is it in the Christian realm we think this is unspiritual, but this is okay? <laughs> so just get real and honest about who we are, who we are as Christians. And our emotions do not leave us once we get saved and sanctified. We still have normal emotions that we go through. I, it's a plea this morning. It's a plea this morning just to come clean and to be real. And that doesn't mean now, don't take this, don't, don't take this the wrong way and, and all of a sudden you go hanging out all your dirty laundry in front of everybody. That's, that's, that's stupid. That's, that's, just, that doesn't, that's no sense. You got to have filters. But there needs to be there needs to be one, two, or three people you can do that with. You need to have some people in life that you can hang out every bit of your dirty laundry to. There is some, I don't know, maybe you've experienced it. There is some cleansing that comes with confession. There is some type of cleansing, and God knows that, and that's why he says, confess your sins one to another. Some cleansing that comes with confession. I want to encourage you today that, that God can deal with you just as you are. Just as you are. Now, this has been on my spirit and because of my, I told you last week my friend who committed suicide. And, and we've been discovering things this week and emails that he just wrote the last week of his life that were up and positive and texts that he sends that were up and positive. And, and I was talking to friends about what can we learn from this and I think one thing we can learn from this is the incredible ability of the human, a human being to mask his true condition. The incredible power we have as human beings to mask what's really going on inside of us. You have no clue the despair that could be sitting around you now, that could be living next door to you. 
And I want to encourage you, you don't have to cover that up. Do you know unbelievers are looking for that kind of place? Why do you think they go to bars? They don't go to bars to drink. They go to bars because they're accepted there. They can talk to bartenders and tell bartenders everything. Chuck Swindoll says a tavern is, 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 the, is the best imitation for the fellowship that God wants in the local church. Dispensing liquor instead of grace. People don't go to bars to drink beer. They go to bars to be real and hang out with other people and, 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 and be able to tell people what's really going on. What a, what a place this could be if we just drop our pretenses. And I'm not talking about you just hang out all your dirty laundry, but just real people. Just real people. There's never been a time in my Christian journey that someone, someone has come and confessed something to me, and I've heard in 15 years of being a pastor, I've, I've heard some unbelievable things being confessed to me. There's never a time when someone did that that I go, Oh, you did what? Never, not a single time. Every single time some people that have come and confessed things to me, I left that conversation with more respect for that person than I had at the very start because they're trying to deal with it. I've had pastors since I've been in this position for three years. I've had pastors confess things to me. Never once did I go yank their credential off the wall, their ordination off the wall. I said, how are we going to deal with this? And my heart went out to him of someone who's trying to deal with a real issue in his life. Let's be that kind of people. Let's choose. Choose to be real. Choose to come clean before God. Drop the pretense. Drop the mask. God loves you behind the mask. Let him back there. Let someone else back. Not everybody in the church. Someone else back there. And let that someone else walk you through some of the difficulties of life. Let's stand together. Just in this moment of silence, I don't know what the Spirit of God has put his finger on you about today. But if he has, the only invitation that we have this morning is for you just to talk to him about it right now. I'm not even going to open the altar because people come to the altar sometime and everybody's wondering what they do last night. What happened last night? What's going on with there? No, just talk to him right now. Just talk to him right now. If he has put his finger on something in your life in response to the preaching of his word this morning, just, just talk to him. Father, may we have so much confidence in you, show so much trust in you, 
we'd be real people, knowing that you love us right at our spot of realness. May we be so confident in your love for us that we can be who we are, irregardless of what he thinks or she thinks or they think. We can be right who we are. Father, I pray for all of us who have a tendency to put on the mask. Help us to have a few people in our lives that we can drop that mask to. Help us drop it in front of you. Help us be a church that throws it away. Father, I think that's the type of church unbelievers are looking for. Real Christian communities. Father, I claim your promise now that your word will not come back void, but accomplish the purpose that you have intended for. I claim that for these words that I've spoken this morning. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you love us just as we are. Help us believe that. Help us believe that.